Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from... KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Monday evening, another week where we are set to explore a great number of topics. Uh, As you know, if you are a faithful listener, each and every Monday and Tuesday, we take up the book of Genesis, and we are in chapter 37. I am especially excited to engage with you over the next few months, the book of Genesis and chapters 37 to 50, because... It affords me the opportunity to talk about not only one of the great patriarchs in Joseph, but also my namesake, right? (laughs) I have spent a great deal of my own time reflecting into the significance of my name and, and what my name means, what the name Joseph means, guardian of truth, and this call we have to live truth, protect truth, faithfully share truth, this call we ultimately have to bear witness to the highest truth, truth and love itself. And so what we find in the person of Joseph is him doing that very thing in a very bold way. So yes, I am very excited to do that with you over the next, oh, I say a couple of months, it might be more. We started this program, this study on November 6th of last year. And here we are, 69 programs later. This is program 69 in chapter 37, with this opportunity to really engage some important stuff. And so, as always, I thank you as you take time and of your busy schedule. I'm looking at my grid right now, and and I see people listening in Canada, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay, Colombia, Western Europe here, Portugal, Spain, Germany, France, Italy. I see Croatia. It is a real honor that you are taking time out of your busy schedule to spend time with me. You know, (laughs) we are on air here, what, 25, 26, 27 minutes, and those minutes afford us the opportunity to reflect into the Word of Life. It's one thing to study this text theologically so as to better understand how God works in salvation history. That is very, very, very important. But it is also another thing to examine the interpersonal dynamic of what is going on between one relationship and another so as to better understand just not who we are in our relationship with God, but how we might better interact with one another. I have said it on more than one occasion in this study. The book of Genesis has afforded us the opportunity to explore principles that we deal with today. How one person, or in this evening's case, brother responds to something and how that response teaches us a lesson. Because let me tell you, human nature is human nature. Truth itself, my friends, insofar as it is subordinate to the natural law, as the natural law is subordinate to truth, one can never contradict one another, ultimately is never subject to time. So truth is never subject to time. Now, it may evolve like maybe our cells evolve within the body, but I never stop being Joseph Holcraft. 
right? My blonde hair may become gray. My nails that are right now clipped may get longer here in a little bit, but they still belong to Joe Holcraft, right? Thousands of years later, we're dealing with a living organism, right? And that living organism has shortcomings. That is the human person. And what we discover this evening is just another opportunity to reflect into human nature alongside, of course, a great number of other uh, essential truths as they relate to our Christian and Catholic faith. So as always, I'm really excited to engage with you, uh, the faithful listener, <laughs> God bless you, on another reading of the book of Genesis. But before we re-engage chapter 37 and the beginnings of the great figure of Joseph, we should probably offer up a word about Joseph more topically to the narrative of the whole Old Testament. What do I mean? Well, the central event of the Old Testament is what? I mean, the central event. Now, we can make a case for a number of, of, of events, but the central event of the Old Testament is the exodus from Egypt because it prefigures the cross and resurrection, right? Now, what we are intended to see is that the parting of the Red Sea and, and the escape of the Israelites from slavery into freedom are preceded by many plots and subplots, all somehow corrected and directed by God's providence. Now, among those plots, among those subplots is the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, my friends, provides in many ways an epic prologue to the great Exodus event. Joseph is sold into slavery by his envious brothers. But in so doing, they become God's instruments in his permissive will and providence, what he allows for the greater good. As we know, in Egypt, Joseph rises to become the most powerful man next to Pharaoh. And after a false accusation against him, what happens? Joseph is imprisoned, right? But Pharaoh releases Joseph upon learning of his gift as an interpreter of dreams. Now, we know the story of Joseph. Joseph prophesies years of feast and famine and advises Pharaoh to, to store surplus grain for the, for the lean years. Egypt is saved from famine, as is the house of Jacob. Thanks to his son Joseph, Jacob's son Joseph, Jacob brings his entire household of 70 into Egypt. Hence, it could be said, my friends, that the selling of Joseph and the verses we are going to read this evening in, in his, his great dream are part of God's divine plan to save the 12 tribes of Israel. But the happy ending is short-lived, right? <laughs> Joseph dies, and when the new Pharaoh has no memory of him, of course, the Egyptians see the Hebrews as a what but threat. The Israelites are enslaved, and we know where the story goes from there. The overarching point is that I want us to understand that the minutia of what we will be talking about over, again, the next few months and beyond is directly linked with a larger narrative of salvation history. So see that, as I talked about last time together, and, I, and I'll read the verses here again, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is the history of the family of Jacob. Genesis chapters 37 to 50 is the last kind of narrative, if you were to break up these series of narratives. This is the last time, the 11th time that you see that phrase, this is the history, right? That verse that kind of begins a new epic. 
So this epic has a direct link with the story and the book of Exodus, okay? All right, with that, let us turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis and chapter 37. And I will reread those verses I read last time, verses 1 to 4, but again, for our discussion this evening, we will take our reading to verse 11. So chapter 37, verses 1 to 11. Jacob dwelt in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. This is the history of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a lad with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought an ill report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they only hated him the more. He said to them, Hear this dream which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered round it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him yet more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream, and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Now, first, a word about dreams. Uh, I spent a whole program devoted to the significance of dreams. As many commentaries highlight, and here I'm looking at the Ignatius commentary, they note you know, that in, in the biblical tradition, dreams are what? But important channels of divine communication. And through dreams, the Lord issues divine warnings and instructions through dreams, my friends, as we've already seen in Genesis 28, he reveals his glory. He reveals his blessings. If you were to read Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, and, and Daniel chapter 2, what do dreams also do but give prophetic insight into the future? Dreams play an especially important role in this great person of Joseph, who, who here in verses 5 to 11 dreams of his own preeminence in his family. What else do we know about Joseph and his dreams? Well, we'll get there, but in Genesis chapter 40, he of course interprets the symbolic visions of Pharaoh and his royal servants. This is what leads to the Pharaoh letting him go. Uh, ultimately, through dreams, we have interpretation, prophetic insight, and blessing, all of which are caught up in the person of Joseph. Now, at first glance, in reading this text, it's as if Joseph got what he deserved. And I'm not talking about 
his brother's looking to kill him. But this frustration, this anger, you know, here he is tattling on his brothers, claiming unnatural positions over them, certainly. I mean, would this not necessitate <laughs> frustration, anger? In the end, indiscreet or not, he ticked off his brothers, right? I mean, think about this. Go back to some of these verses, right? He tattled on his brothers, and Jacob, after tattling on these brothers, finds favor upon him. So, I mean, hey, I'm one of 11 kids. I have six brothers. It's one thing for a brother or a sister, for that matter, to tattle on me. It's a whole other thing for that parent because he or she tattled on me to find favor upon them. What, what the heck's going on, right? I mean, come on, God, what are you doing here? So we read in verse 4 that they hated him. They hated him so much they could not speak peaceably to him. Have you been there before? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand right now. All of you listeners out there, if you got your hands on the wheel, don't raise your hand, okay? So Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about this dream, what do we read in verse 5? They hated him even more. And do you think Joseph saw this hate? Do you think Joseph saw this anger? Yeah, so what did he do? Back off? No. He not only tells the dream, but he says, catch this, behold, three times. I mean, imagine, again, let's just bring this down to earth. If you are one of many siblings, or even if you just have one sibling, they're already upset at you. They already can't speak peaceably about you. I mean, they are mad and you can see it. And as you spell out this dream to, to them, you say, behold. I mean, behold is a word that says what? Stop what you're doing. Pay close attention because what I'm about to say is very, very important. Behold. Jesus does this, does he not, right? Many times. Behold. Amen, amen, I say to you. Now, he gives the dream... And then what do we read in verse 8? <laughs> After they question him, the brothers, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? They hated him more. No, they hated him yet more. Yet more. So they hated him and then, then they hated him more. And, and somehow, some way, they really, really hate him more. <laughs> and does it stop there? No, because God does not stop there. Then he dreamed another dream. Isn't that a song? <laughs> dream another dream. Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Now we don't get the brother's reaction. I don't know if you can hate him any more than they already hate him. But we get the father's reaction. What is this dream that you have dreamed? My son. Shall I and your mother and your brothers come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? Is this what you're saying? Your mother and I and all your brothers, are we to bow down to you, you who's 17 years old? Oh, and, it, and we read, his brothers were jealous of him. All oh, smoke's blown out of their ears by now, <laughs> all right? But, but... His father kept the saying in mind. Hmm. His father kept the saying in mind. 
So here we have a juxtaposition that we are made to reflect with. These brothers who are very, very, very upset, right? And this father, the brothers question him. But were they seeking to understand him? No, they doubted him. The father questions him. And was he doubting him? No. He was seeking to understand him. How do we know that? Because verse 11, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So in one corner, on one hand, you have the brothers doubting. And on the other hand, you have this person, this figure, seeking to understand. And we know that because of the context. Nowhere in these series of verses do we have these brothers keeping in mind, keeping in heart the things that their brother Joseph is saying. No, that is not going on. No, no, no. What is going on then in this verse that is so important for us this evening? This verse, Jacob kept the saying in mind. Well, the Hebrew word for kept is shamar. Shamar. How many times do you see that in the Old Testament? Once, twice, five times, a hundred times? Try 431 times. And every single time, if you go to the context, it is very important. It translates as to keep, uh, to have charge of, or to keep watch, uh, or to protect, or to observe as in a watchman. It embodies all of these things. What does that sound like? What do all of those words that are synonyms sound like? Does this not anticipate? Mary in the manger. Does this not anticipate Mary in the temple when she was made to ponder, when she was made to keep, quote-unquote, keep in her heart and mind the events that were before her? You see, my friends, Mary's keeping was invaluable all the way to the cross as she found herself pondering the death of her own son on the cross. Well, in Jacob, we have a a man pondering these alleged visions, certainly aware that God has revealed the plan for his own life in this way. Remember, folks, Mary's pondering was just not about the events before her, but what she had already experienced and how that was to influence the future, how that was to influence her into the future and her decision-making, right? The same thing is going on here with Jacob. Recall in Genesis chapter 28, what did we talk about? But Jacob's dream at Bethel, Bethel, this city that means the house of God. One has to believe on some level that Jacob is having this uh, quasi deja vu moment vicariously through his son. Perhaps, perhaps he is pondering Joseph's dream in the light of his own experience, and like Mary, how this dream of Joseph was to influence his future decision-making. I would suggest to you that these dreams influenced on some level, and this just isn't me, these many commentaries talk about this, his deathbed decision to give Joseph the blessing of his firstborn son, to give Joseph the firstborn blessing. How important is it to read the old in light of the new and the new in light of the old, not only to better understand 
how God works in salvation history. But again, to get underneath some of these verses, here, once we understand that (laughs) Jacob was pondering, seeking to understand like that of Mary, because again, remember, Mary's own seeking to understand came on the heels of what? Zechariah questioning the same angel. So that's its own juxtaposition, just as Zechariah doubts the angel Gabriel Mary seeks to understand. Here, just as the brothers questioned Joseph in that negative, disparaging sense, to say the least, right? Because, oh, by the way, what do we read? What is it? Verse 17, 18, where they saw him afar off. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to what? Kill him? Kill him? We're talking about anger spilling over into revenge and bitterness, that cancer. So again, we're made to see this poignant insight that for all of Jacob's shortcomings here, he finds himself recollecting. He finds himself taking a step back and valuing his whole life and coming to understand, as we will see in future chapters, that these dreams that we read about in verses 5 to 11 are imperative to the larger picture. That is how God is going to use these 12 tribes to establish the Old Testament Israel, the Old Testament church. What do we talk about in the opening? How God in his permissive will allows certain things because in the end it brings about the greater thing. God is not passive, as we might think of it in some secular sense where he's not active. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong here and and don't get the great Christian thinkers and church fathers wrong. Okay? I mean, if we were to just draw this out uh, in our everyday relationships as a father, from time to time, I allow certain things to happen so that my children might learn a lesson. You see... I can tell my children, no, 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 but sometimes they just don't listen. And the only way they're going to learn their lesson is if they fall. And sometimes falling is the best thing because it is in the process of getting up that we learn the greatest lesson. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in our own journey of faith, in the spiritual life, sometimes we fall. And it doesn't mean God is not watching. He's always watching. But as a father, he understands that the deeper lesson is that as we learn how to pick ourselves up after we fall, we might come to understand what it means to learn a lesson itself. That we pass through something, we pass through a trial, we pass through a circumstance, that we might become more whole after it. And it might hurt. It might be very painful, but it's in the process of that healing that we come to understand the Father's love. Jacob falls, and he is coming to understand, as the narrative reveals, the Father's love. All about the Father's love. And so don't think that when we talk about permissive will, God is not active. Because I will tell you right here and now, and every father out there knows this, Every parent knows this. When I see my children fall, although I could have stopped it, 
Sometimes it has to happen because they have not learned the lesson. Why? Because they have to pass through it. Sometimes children say, no, 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 you're wrong on that one. Okay. Just as we say to God, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what we have in this narrative in verses 1 to 11, and especially these verses in light of verse 11, is that Jacob is coming to understand something. And yes, this evening we talked about the, the striking nature of what Joseph did. And, and oh, by the way, Joseph's propensity to still yet tell his brothers about these dreams, these two dreams, what lesson is in that? Yeah, he's 17 years old, and maybe he was indiscreet, maybe. But maybe he was bold. Maybe he was just being obedient as he is what but just. And recall what I said about that last week. Just is the highest affirmation you can give anyone. Because the just one is upright, is holy, is obedient to God in all things. Joseph had these dreams and shared them right? So I say to you earlier on, you know, maybe this was him being indiscreet. Maybe he was excitedly telling him about these dreams. As I say that, I'll tell you in the end, what do I believe? I believe he was just being obedient to God the Father and that God was going to use the spite and the anger and the bitterness of the 12 to ultimately, in the end, bring about a greater good. But we do learn a lesson. We do learn a lesson that if we are on the other side of someone's boldness, someone saying to us, behold, we better take a deep breath and not be so quick to pass judgment. In our study, my friends, in our treatment of the book of Genesis, I have talked about the importance of that spiritual work of mercy, bearing offenses willingly. If there is an opposite reaction to bearing offenses willingly, it is to take up revenge and do what the 11 brothers did. Okay? So this is why, again, that spiritual work of mercy, of bearing offenses willingly, to not give in to the, the venom of bitterness and anger and the desire to assume revenge is a great and noble virtue. Hey, we've all been on the other side of someone being maybe a little too bold about what they think or believe. And maybe, maybe the person who's being bold about what they believe is right. We should learn a lesson here. We should take a step back, unlike the 11 brothers, and value what is going on and assume the position of Jacob. Keeping in mind and heart the things being said. Maybe the thing that's being said to you is very important for you. But you can only best understand it if you weigh it over time. You know, when you translate Mary's pondering, the symbio, it's this classic word for discernment. This weighing back and forth, if you will. A discerning of something over time. Don't give in to your anger. Don't give in to your bitterness. Don't give in to your revenge. But pay close attention to what's being shared with you and ponder over time like that of Jacob. So really, Jacob is the how to respond to that situation. Okay? All right. 
Let's close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.